Y'all look good tonight. Nice day, nice group of people. Thank you for what you said, Micah. That was awesome. Love the feeding the 4,000 and small group example. That's, that was awesome. And uh, yeah, so it's nice to be here with y'all. If I uh, sound a little stuffed up, I'm just coming off of uh, being a little sick. And so if I sound like kind of nasally, like, uh, you know, punk rock singer, then, you know, Green Day. Shout out to Green Day. Does anybody still even listen to Green Day? Dang. I am old. I am old. Wake me up. When forever ends. Ah, so, hey, tonight we get to start uh, a really cool series. We're going to talk about Jesus and, you know, Jesus is talked about in pop culture. People sing about him. Um, some people sing to him. Some people, like, mention him in their songs. Uh, you hear Jesus all, in all different places. You hear him, people who don't love him talk about him. You hear people who do love him talk about him. And so we talk about him a lot, and we just thought it would be a great, a great time to, uh, where we could just talk about Jesus for a few weeks. And so I'm really excited. Tonight's the first night. I think it'll be good. We're going to talk about Jesus and how perfect he was and how Jesus was a perfect sinner. And um, just for any church kids who are like, that doesn't sound right, just give me some time before you throw anything at me. Uh, if you're going to throw something at me, throw it, throw it at me at the end. But um, no, I'll go ahead and just read uh, basically like four different uh, passages or scriptures out of the Bible that we'll like talk about tonight, and then we'll go from there. The first one is um, John 1, 1 through 3. And if you don't have a Bible, we'll have it up here so you can like, uh, yeah, you can see it right there. But it said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, Without him, nothing was made that has been made. And then verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And the word here is Jesus. It's, it's John, it's, different, it's a different way to describe Jesus. It's the logos, uh, it's the Greek word for it. But he's saying Jesus is the word. And then in Mark chapter 10, it's Jesus speaking and he says this about himself. For the son of man, he calls himself the son of man, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give him life and to give his life as a ransom for many. And then the next thing we're going to read is Matthew chapter 3. This is what I'm about to read is right before Jesus has really done anything in his life. He's been born, he's been a carpenter, and that's about it. That's most of what we know about him hasn't even happened. And so this is kind of really the beginning. This is like his breaking out party. And it happens with him, with John the Baptist. And it's Matthew 3, and it says this. Then Jesus came from Galilee, that's where he's from, to the Jordan. John the Baptist is this dude who is baptizing people wearing camel's hair and a leather belt. He ate locusts and wild honey. The dude was intense. And he preached out in the wilderness and he was so effective at what he did that not only was he, like, able to get people to come into the desert to listen to him preach, but he actually got kings and officials of all types to come and listen to him. And he would baptize hundreds and thousands of people in the Jordan River. And so Jesus is coming to get baptized by him as well. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. 
But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove, alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son, whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. I'll pray, and then we'll get started. Jesus, my words really aren't going to be able to measure up to how great you are. But, Lord God, I pray that you would reveal yourself to us tonight, to our hearts individually. Help us to see more clearly how great you are. Help me to paint a worthy picture, Lord God, of who you are. Thank you for the words you've given me. Open up our minds tonight to hear what you have to say. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so in that first scripture, it was John 1, 1 through 3, uh, 1 through 3 and then John 14, 1, 14. And it said, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That is that is an incredibly powerful statement. It's unbelievably powerful. Like, what it's saying is that Jesus was the idea of God made tangible before us. That God was an idea. He was talked about for centuries, but Jesus is him. It's God putting on the clothes of our skin and then dwelling around us. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. If that feels like separate, if that feels like above, if that feels like something that it's like hard to like fathom, well, it should feel that way. You're talking about the infinite becoming finite. It should feel other. It should feel like, wow, this, is, this isn't normal. This isn't like starting right here for the rest of us. This isn't Zeus. In Greek mythology, where you basically had these people who were like, I don't know, you know, you know I played God of War video game? A few people? Okay. Kratos, basically he's this dude who has serious anger problems. And he becomes, he basically becomes a Greek god. And so he meets Zeus. And Zeus is super jacked, you know, long flowy hair. He's really old, but at the same time it looks like he like is working out, you know, 10 hours a day. And... But in Greek mythology, when you, when you look at the way that they're portrayed, they're portrayed as, like, basically people, they're just as selfish as us. They're just as self-interested as us, except they have superpowers. Kind of like, you know, the Marvel superheroes, like Iron Man. They act kind of like Greek gods because Tony Stark, he's a jerk, you know. Thor, he's a little self-interested, just a little. I, I still like him, and I make Katie look away every time he comes on the screen because I'm intimidated. <laughs> but but that, that's, that's the idea of God that people have. They have this idea of, like, basically someone who's like the rest of us who just kind of has superpowers. And that's what Jesus, Jesus is God, but he's not like that. He's the word became flesh who made his dwelling among us. I love 
I, I, I could just talk about that the whole evening, this idea that he made his dwelling among us. He tabernacled among us. That literally means he just, like, pitched up a tent around you and stayed around you. But whether that, like, whether you can connect with that, what you can definitely connect with is, you know, Jesus was the son of God. That's what it says. It says that he was with God in the beginning. He has always been there. It was, Jesus isn't like he came from God. Jesus was God, but Jesus didn't identify as like being like, oh, yeah, I'm the son of God, and you need to recognize that. He, he identified as someone else. He identified as the son of man, and to me, this is really cool because we just read, he said, for the son of man came not to serve, but to, came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus 78 times called himself the son of man. That's, how, that's what we have in the Bible. It says 78 times he called himself the son of man. He, he called himself the son of God. We can count in one hand how many times he did that. This was his favorite name for himself, the son of man. What it means is he is the quintessential man. He is everything that we ought to have been. It's a very powerful name. It's him saying, like, I'm, I'm, I'm a man. Why is this significant? To me, well, one, it's, at first it's kind of ridiculous because it's a nickname that he goes by. And I, I just, I mean, Christopher's already laughing because he knows where I'm going with this. I have like a funny, like, I just think nicknames are kind of funny. I think it's great to have a nickname. I think it's like really bad if you give yourself a nickname, <laughs> which we can all be in agreement with. That is like... Thank you, Damani, for, your, uh, for backing me up on this. As ridiculous as it is to give yourself a nickname, you know, I think if, as we were just talking about Marvel, who's someone who gave himself a nickname? Peter Quill, he gave himself a, a nickname. What was that nickname? Star-Lord. Yes. He was kind of successful in getting that to stick. In high school, I was like, I played basketball, and in playing basketball in my senior year, I don't know if it was like because I just watched a lot of Star Wars movies that summer or what, whatever it was, but I actually decided, you know what, I'm going to give myself a nickname and I'm going to tell people to call me this. I'm not exaggerating. I, I really did this. I, was, I could jump really high. I think I could jump higher than almost anyone else in the school. And so because of that, I was like, oh, you know what, Luke Skywalker, I, I walk in the sky because of how high I jump. And so therefore... Call me Jay Skywalker. That's a great name. And so one day I show up and I'm like, all right, call me Jay Skywalker. And they're like, what? And I said, yeah, call me Jay Skywalker. And you know, some people are like, <laughs> and then some people are like, all right, oh, we'll go with this, we'll go with this. And to this day, there's still some friends who still call me Jay Skywalker. There, yes, I got it to stick just a little, just a little. But yes, like, Jesus had a nickname, and he loved this nickname because this nickname was the nickname to, like, kind of identify the fact that, like, hey, there, there is this idea that I am perfect, but there's this whole other idea that I'm, like, just like the rest of you. I want to be numbered amongst you. I'm not, I'm not coming here to be served. I'm coming here to serve. If you're understanding a little bit what I'm saying, I think you'll understand it a little bit more in a, in a little bit. But this idea of Jesus being, like, perfect, 
Jesus being the quintessential man, the perfect person, the perfect human being. I'm just going to say some things. Micah said it, you know, a lot of people think about Jesus' miracles, and they think like, oh, okay, yeah, Jesus is in the Bible, you know, there's the cross, there's a resurrection. Some of you know what that means. A lot of you know what that means, maybe. Miracles. A lot of people think about Jesus' miracles. Whenever I used to watch Family Guy, they were always showing Jesus' miracles. Maybe not in the best light. Actually, never in the best light. But, but people know Jesus for his miracles. But some other things that we don't know about Jesus when we think about him is this idea of how complete he was as a character. Like, in the Bible, Caitlin mentioned Moses. Moses was known as being the meekest man on all the earth. Job was another very respected person out of the Bible. He's known for his patience. Jesus wasn't known for any characteristics because he was, all, he was great at all characteristics. Like, he didn't have a strongest thing in his personality because he had no weaknesses in his personality. Like, Jesus was so balanced as a human being. If you're tracking with me, like, think about this, like, there was never a time that he ever spoke anything that had to be withdrawn. What people do in this world, what normal people do, is we say stuff, and then we say too much, and then we got to go and apologize later on, like, oh, yeah, I'm sorry, I misspoke. He never did that. He never said too much. He never said too little. He never sought advice from anyone. Even in the Bible, it says, and having a multitude of counselors, that's wisdom. He didn't need a multitude of counselors. He was God, made flesh, and he dwelled among us. He was extremely balanced in his personality. He was courageous and strong, and he was like as manly as you're going to get. But he was tender. And he, he knew how to show affection. Also, we know that he never spoke anything and said things like perhaps or maybe or I think so. His words, he said, I am the truth. And he spoke only truth. He didn't, he didn't wonder about things. I wonder about things. I like to wonder about things. He didn't do that. What else do we know about him? He didn't argue with people about why we should pray he didn't argue with people about why we should treat people equally. He didn't argue with people about how things like sin entered the world. What did he do? He prayed for people. And he prayed so much that one time he prayed all night. And then afterwards he came, he, afterwards he came out with power to heal, even to raise people from the dead. He didn't argue with people over how we should treat everyone equally. In, instead, he went and dined with the most respected in society and then the least respected in society. He ate with the poor and he ate with the biggest sinners. That the, 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 he ate with the people who were known as the most infamous sinners in town. He ate with them as well. He didn't argue about equality. He lived it. And he didn't argue about theological things like how sin entered the world. Instead, he showed himself as the way by which sin would be removed from the world. He was totally other. He was, he was God. But he came as a man. What else do we know about him? He, we know that he, 
a lot of philosophers and a lot of teachers come into the world and they say a lot and they change little. Jesus said little and changed everything. A lot of philosophers and teachers come into the world and they try to diagnose all the world's problems, problems and say how the world is going to be cured. Jesus comes and he doesn't try to diagnose the world's problem. He only presents himself as the way by which the world will be cured from its selfishness. Many philosophers and teachers have come into this world and they've talked about how evil have entered the world. Jesus comes in and presents himself as the way by which evil will leave. He's totally other. He is the word became flesh. He is this big idea of God that is not, you can't wrap your mind around it until it's right here before us in the form of a man named Jesus Christ. As I look at Jesus and I'm like looking at his life, I, one thing that I did was I read about in John, I'm sorry, in John, in Matthew chapter 3, I read about Jesus' baptism. And this is one of the most unsettling things for me in all of the Bible. Because what has happened in Jesus' life up until now is that he has been born. And then we have one little story. We only have one story about what happened between him from the ages of 1 to the age of 30. And it's, it's this really cool story that I'm not going to go into right now. But it's, about, it's just this fascinating story about him being in the temple with some very respected religious leaders and him blowing their mind with his questions about God. But that's all we have about him. We also know that he was a carpenter. He built stuff with his hands, wooden things, you know, like, as you can tell, I'm, I don't build things if I would describe it like that. I'm from the city. Pray for me. I'm not good at building stuff. But, um, but we know he was a carpenter. That's it. That's all we know, except when we get to this story, this is kind of where the silence breaks and everything that we know about him, it starts right here. And Jesus has come to be baptized by John the Baptist, and then John the Baptist is baptizing all these different people. He's even baptizing some of the most respected religious leaders in the country. But when he meets Jesus, he pauses and he says, hold on, what are you doing here? Kind of like he ran into his arch enemy. You know, what are you doing here? But he's like, what are you doing here? And he's like, hey, I'm here to get baptized. And he's like, well, no, no, no. You should be baptizing me. I shouldn't be baptizing you. And it's cool. It's so funny to me because Jesus doesn't even disagree with him. He's not even like, yeah, you know, you're wrong. But no, he's like, yeah, that, that is what should be happening. But no, this is to fulfill some other things. But it's important for us to like sit on this because this is where we go from those great ideas about God and those great things being said about who Jesus was and why this matters for us tonight. This is where it's connected. It's right here. He said, why are you asked, why are you wanting to be baptized by like, no, no, no. I, no. What are you doing here, Jesus? That's basically what he's saying. And then Jesus is like, this is to fulfill all righteousness. What up until this moment in time, Jesus has established his reputation in the sense where whether people know that he's the son of God, whether people know that he's the Messiah, whether they know all the things that we know about him, they know this. That man, Jesus, is perfect, and he has done no wrong. He is 
perfect. All of the silence that we have about his life, all that we don't know about those first 30 years, we know this, that he was perfect. That he was perfect. He lived his life in a way where people believed him to be sinless. Can any of us look back at our lives and say any, think anything like that? Some people are shaking their heads. Some people are looking away and don't want to look up here anymore. When I think about me growing up, I don't, think, I don't think of perfection. That's not the picture that I have. The picture that I have is, you know, the punk kid who doesn't want to listen to anyone, who enjoys being a rebel and successfully managed to get kicked out of, what was it, three school... Three schools in six years. Yes, I got expelled from three schools in six years. I was always in trouble, always in trouble, just always bending the rules. Now, maybe you weren't a knucklehead like me, but would you think of yourself as sinless? Not the way people think you are, but who you are below what other people think, the stuff that no one else knows. Do you think that you have it all together? It's fascinating to me because I look at Jesus and it's like, take one of the most respectable people that you know spiritually, I don't know, like, uh, you don't know Mother Teresa. She's long dead. But let's say Mother Teresa or the Pope or Billy Graham. I just picked three people who were dead. Well, not the Pope. Uh, but <laughs> sorry, wasn't trying to, yeah, I wasn't trying to say anything. But, you know, t- take one of those people. Let's say that they're, like, out, you know, in the mon, just baptizing people. Oh, hey, what are you doing, Mother Teresa? You're back from the dead, and you're baptizing people down in the mon. Um uh, I'm sure there's cleaner rivers, you know, but you, you do you, you know. And, and so she's baptizing people there. And then all of a sudden, there just happens to be a bunch of people who are down there like, hey, Mother Teresa is baptizing people. I want to get baptized. So they're down there. And then all of a sudden, some, the dry cleaner, the guy who runs Masulo's, you know, let's say his name is Joe Masulo. That actually might be his name. But Joe Masulo, across the street, we got this dry cleaner. And he walks down to the mon, and he's just like, hey, Mother Teresa, I want to get baptized. And she's like, whoa, hey, hold on. You're Joe Masulo, aren't you? And he's like, yeah. No, 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 no. You should be baptizing me. I shouldn't be baptizing you. We know about you. We know how perfect you are. That's what's, that's what's going on. Some of you are like, this is a ridiculous example. It is a ridiculous example because no one is perfect. This world has not seen anyone be perfect. No one has been able to live up not only to God's standards, but let alone our own standards. Who who actually lives up to, like, I think it's so funny. I'll watch CNN or I'll watch, actually, I never watch CNN. But, you know, I'll listen to people, like, come down on this person who did something bad or that person who did something bad. And I'm like, it's so easy to be critical when you're not, like, at the center. But do you even live up to the standards that you're holding other people to? Like, we're so judgmental of everyone else today as a society. We are so judgmental. But we don't even live up to those standards that we hold other people to. Like, I think about Matt Lauer. I saw Matt Lauer. He's, some of y'all, y'all don't even know who Matt Lauer is. Good Morning America. He's a reporter. He 
got like, he has gone very low in regards to some stuff coming up and him getting in a bunch of trouble. And I remember watching him a couple years ago before everything blew up in his own life, him trashing somebody else where stuff blew up in their own life. And then everyone's like, oh, yeah, Matt, all that stuff you're saying about so-and-so is really good. And then the next year, his life blows up because he's not even living up to the words that he's trashing other people on. But that's how we all are. We don't live up to our own standards, let alone God's. But Jesus is perfect. What does this have to do with this baptism? Jesus shows up and he says, hey, I am supposed to be here because this is the beginning of a new order. This is the beginning of things being different. Before, you all had the Ten Commandments, and no one lived up to that. Ever since, no one has lived up to the standards that God has had. And everyone is not worthy to be in God's presence. But I have not only come to reveal what God is like, and I have not only come to reveal what people should look like, I have come to be numbered with the transgressors so that you all can actually have a chance to be like what God is like. In Isaiah 53, it says that he was numbered with the transgressors. He who was perfect, he who helped build the world, the triune God, he was numbered with the transgressors. That's a very abstract idea, but I'm a sports fan. And as a sports fan, I have a, couple, a few teams that I like. The Houston Astros, who, well, I just, if I, if I don't, if I correctly remember it, they're the world champions. Oh, that should excite all of you. I'm a Manchester City fan. I love soccer. Like six people in the room know that. Yeah, yeah. They are also champions. I just happened to pick champions as my favorite teams. And the Houston Rockets, well, they were almost champions. Let's not get into that. Why, what, what does that have to do with baptism and Jesus being numbered with the transgressors? I played sports, and in playing sports, I was like, you were trying to win the championship. If you were on a good team, you were trying to win the championship. And you start preparing. A championship team doesn't start preparing the year of. They start preparing way before that year starts. And they're doing all these different things to get ready to be the best team. All these different things. And in order to be a champion, you got to do a lot of stuff that sucks. You got you to gotta keep trying when other people want to quit. You have to go further than everyone else. You have to overcome all these obstacles and all these odds. And then at the end, you may be the champion. Could you imagine winning the championship of whatever you're trying to win? And then at the end of it, as you're being handed your ring or your medal or whatever it is, you say, you know what, hold on. Take my name, take my name off the, off the team's roster. Put me on the roster of the team that is the worst team, the team that is notorious for being losers. Put me on that team. Let me be identified with them. That is my place. I am not a champion. I know we may have won the championship and I may have had to do all that work, but actually 
just let me be seen as the person who's on the worst team, the team with the losers. That's what it meant for him to be numbered with the transgressors. He went to the losing team. He went to be with you and me. And it's because he was numbered with the transgressors, he who was perfect, who is now identifying himself with sinners, it is the beginning of everything changing for all of mankind because there is a new hope. This hope being based around this fact that God has come to lift all of mankind up by himself. We couldn't be good enough to get a chance, and now he is going to give us this chance by coming and being on our team, and he is going to take us to the championship himself. He was numbered with the transgressors, and he tells John, this is to fulfill all righteousness. That is why later on John tells him, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I didn't come here tonight to remind everyone of how imperfect you were or to make you feel bad or to discourage you in any way. It's actually incredibly encouraging because what Jesus did in that moment made it possible for all of us, for all of, man, for, for all of the rest of eternity to be able to have this chance where we could be numbered with him. We can be with God. Jesus has showed us that God is approachable and he is desperately interested in you, so interested in you that he would let himself be on the losing team. He would let himself be on your team just to pull you up. The sinner that you were yesterday the sinner that you have been is not who you have to be. He can raise you up. All you have to do is join his team. And all you have to do to join his team is just say, Jesus, I trust you. I want you in my life. And for some of us, yeah, your, your hope has been in Jesus. And you do value him and you respect him and you love him greatly then let your heart be warmed by this idea that God is not a God who is distant, who looks down upon man, mankind and just wants to remind us how good we aren't. He wants to show, he wants to remind you that he loves you, that he's desperately interested in you, that he's so interested in you that he would let his own son be numbered with the transgressors to be on the losing team he is the son of man. He is the word became flesh. And he is also the one who was with the transgressors in order to lift all of us up so that we could be champions. The band can come back up. I'm, I'm pretty much done. I couldn't help but like, I was like, well, am I going to say this story? And I was like, does it even tie in? Ah. I'll say it anyways. In Isaiah chapter 6, there's this fascinating story where Isaiah is before, he's like, he's been a prophet for a few years. He wrote, the Isaiah who wrote the book of Isaiah, this is him. In Isaiah chapter 6, he has this experience where he sees God 
And he see, it's, it's like this incredible experience where he sees God on his throne and he sees angels and all this stuff. It's a very intense scene. And when he's there, he realizes how unworthy he is to be there. And he's so uncomfortable because he's like, God, you are great. And as I'm getting closer and closer to you, I realize that I shouldn't be here. I'm not good enough to be here. And then it says that one of the angels goes and takes a hot coal from the altar and sets it on his tongue. And then he's made clean. It's a very powerful image of the righteousness of God coming onto Isaiah and making him righteous. Not by us doing better, trying to look more Christian or more religious, not by any of that, but by God giving us his righteousness. That is how we are made clean. If you tell Jesus, I want to trust you, and what you say about how I should live my life, I want to listen to that. That is how you can have that hot coal put on you, making you clean and righteous. It's his free gift for all of us. All we have to do is accept it. Accept it. Some of you, I don't know if I was going to say this, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. Some of you grew up in church, and you've been in youth group, and you've been in church stuff all your life. But maybe your parents' religion is what your religion is, and you've never really said yes to God for yourself. Tonight is a great night to do that. And some of you have been on the outside, and you've wondered, like, Am I going to trust you? I don't know all the stuff. I don't know all that it's going to mean. I don't know everything. I don't know everything in the Bible. I don't, know if, I don't know if I know all that I should know. None of that matters. Just tell him you want to trust him tonight. And that's enough. There is hope for all of us. He is approachable and he's available for all of us. And he can give you the power to trust him tonight and forevermore. And the power to live unselfishly like Jesus did as his lifestyle. He can give that to you as well. I'll pray and we'll be done. Jesus, you are the word became flesh. And you did dwell among us. Lord, Thank you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for as perfect as you were joining our losing team so that you could lift us up to be winners with you. Thank you, Jesus. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.